from the crypt. What is up, freaks? Welcome back to Tales from the Crypt. It's your boy Marty Ben here on a Wednesday morning early in Manhattan. Uh, got in the studio early because we have a very special guest. Uh, we're going to jump right into it because he only has an hour. I'd like to introduce you all to Anthony Pompliano, also known as Pomp on Twitter. Pomp, <laughs> welcome to the podcast. Thanks for having me. Thanks for coming on. Um, very excited to have you in the studio. You've blown up on Twitter over the last eight, six to eight months, I feel like, uh, spitting out truth about uh, Bitcoin blockchain and how this technology is going to change the world. Um, one thing we were talking about right before the intro was uh, one perspective that we haven't gotten really on this podcast in particular is uh, the the perspective of tokenizing assets. That's something we haven't dove into here. So that's something I'm excited to talk about with you, uh, especially since Morgan Creek Capital just just bought a uh, full tilt to to start a $500 million uh, fund uh, in the crypto asset space. Yeah, it's uh, one of the tricks we have up our sleeve, but there'll uh, there'll be more. Yeah, nice. So one in particular like drew you to this space is Tales from the Crypt. What's your tale? Yeah, yeah. Um, so uh, I actually got started uh, on the mining side, right? Um, okay. So I, I was a uh, I was at Facebook um, in uh, the first time I'd heard about Bitcoin was in 2014. Uh, there was a bunch of guys who were talking about it, and I think I really heard about it uh, as a uh, remittance uh, option. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, it was interesting, but wasn't really my thing. Didn't really care for anything fintech, and I just thought it was, you know, going to be some you know random fad and go away. Uh, and so I, I kind of didn't pay attention to it again. Um, but then in uh, 2016, started looking at uh, the infrastructure. And so uh, I'm very familiar with like the data center co-location networking uh, type businesses. Um, And uh, what I realized was in a traditional like CPU based data center, there's space power, um, hardware and software, Uh same thing in mining. And so um, the difference is that the uh, revenue you can generate on uh, on those uh, on that hardware, and so uh, we built a um, really small uh, mining facility to start. Uh, then we built uh, a couple more, um, and the one that got the uh, kind of the most attention, I think, was uh, we um, w- we've got one that does uh, waste to energy. So we take car tires, put it through a uh, thermal demanufacturing process. It ter- it turns the tire uh, into uh, oil, steel, and uh, energy. Um, and then uh, we basically sell the oil and the steel as a commodity, and we take that energy uh, and we mine cryptocurrency with it. And so that's a uh, business called uh, PRTI um, that my partner at uh, Full Tilt uh, CEO of and, and runs full time. Wow, I've never uh, heard of that type of mining operation. That's insane. Yeah, we're the first ones to uh, to do it. There's a lot of people now who are starting to use waste to energy. Mm-hmm. Uh, there, there's uh, I, I actually didn't really know too much about the energy component, um, but there's a lot of people who take trash, they take tires, they, you know, all this stuff, and uh, they basically just break down um, these uh, you know, these assets and uh, and create energy with them. So it's usually pretty cheap power. It's crazy how uh, the incentives in the system work. Yeah. Driving people to take tires, <laughs> turn them into steel. Hey, man, money, money, money makes the world go around. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, so, so I did that. And then, uh, you know, when, once you kind of get in on, on the mining side, then all of a sudden you're like, okay, now I have these tokens. Like, what do I do? Well, uh, should we hold them? Should we trade them? Should we sell them? And, and you just start kind of, it's like a spider web, right? Just kind of you go through the whole thing. And the next thing you know, you're sitting there and you're like, Oh wow! I probably should focus on this a lot more because you know th- there's a, a lot of big opportunity here. And uh, back then, I think it was uh, you know there really wasn't that many people who were talking about it. Um, the, the kid who actually really got me into it is a uh, I met him when he was in high school, 
mm-hmm. right? And he like I think he was like eighteen. He just kept like yelling at me, he's like Bitcoin, Bitcoin. And I was like, <laughs> what man? <laughs> and then eventually one day he sat me down and like and I was like, Oh yeah, you might actually be right about this. Let's go uh, let's go explore it. Yeah, I feel like I was that kid at one point in my life, too. <laughs> um, I got laughed out of an office, I'm pretty sure. But, um, yeah, I think that's one thing we can dive into is, like, the potential upside of this space. Yeah. Like, how much value creation is about to come out of of Bitcoin and cryptocurrencies in general. Like, you, your your slogan on Twitter is tokenize the world. Yeah, yeah, um, So, yeah, so, you know, I, I think that there's uh, – I break down – how can blockchain, you know, really impact uh, different industries in a couple of ways? So one is just, you know, when you look at the currencies and, and kind of these exchange of value, store of value, um, that will happen, right? Mm-hmm. Is it the kind of, you know, quote unquote gold standard of the world? I don't know, um, but I, I think that we already see Bitcoin, right? I don't know very many people under the age of thirty-five buying gold, right? They're buying Bitcoin, and so at some point that pays off for decades to come that people are putting their you know, store value in this um, digital currency. So I think there's that bucket of stuff. Uh, there's the core technology, which is just the actual blockchain itself, mm-hmm. um, and, and I think we already are seeing people, you know, use that in kind of interesting ways in corporate America. Um, then there is all of the decentralized networks, right, and kind of decentralized applications that can be built. Um, I, I tend to think that, which is unpopular opinion, that um, that stuff is unlikely uh, in the short term, um, maybe in the medium term, but then highly likely in the long term. And uh, and so, um, you know, I think there's a lot of hype and attention and, and kind of all this because there's prices and, you know, it's kind of like penny stocks a little bit. Um, but, but I don't really see anything that's going to get built in the next two years that'll be used by like a mass consumer uh and then the last bucket in the bucket that we're you know most interested in and i think is going to be the biggest opportunity um which i'm biased on is uh tokenized securities right and so Mm -hmm. this is um you know literally take every single thing that's on wall street and we're now going to create token version of it um and uh, to technologists that's really boring but uh to us you know 700 trillion dollars of assets that are going to uh, be tokenized we uh we'll take a little piece of that <laughs> <laughs> no 700 trillion dollars that's just a big number. <laughs> you can't even you can't even fathom it right <laughs> right it's unfathomable to a point and that's um that's sort of like the beauty of the space and i really like that you touched on that the timing is sort of not lining up for those assets right now. Yep. Like it's going to take time to build out this infrastructure. That's one thing that sort of perturbs me about this space in particular. Like, yes, we should be pushing for innovation at all times, trying everything that we can. I go back and forth to whether or not we should try it as fast as we can because money's involved with these protocols and retail yep. investors have access to it. And it's like, ah, should people be losing money on this experimental tech? I go back and forth with it. But Absolutely. That's the one thing that perturbs me in this space in particular is like, the impatience of some people who want everything out of the box and it's just like this stuff's going to take time we have to build out the infrastructure like you working on things like mining is definitely i think more worthwhile at this point in time yeah it, it, it's um so, so the decentralization is uh is really kind of a uh, hot topic for me right so mm-hmm. uh every single one of my friends thinks that like we're gonna go decentralize the world the current world we know is gonna like burn down and we're gonna have this new like you know utopia of, of whatever um and i tell them like that'd be awesome right sure i get it like you know uh, i'd love to democratize power and, and wealth and all this stuff but uh in, in reality um i always ask them like do you think your mom actually cares that her date is on facebook like, <laughs> this is something like uh... you know because everyone's talking about now right like probably not Right. And, and she wants the convenience. Right. Mm-hmm. And so like the network effect that's been built in a lot of these businesses, whether it's Facebook or Uber or Airbnb or, you know, whatever, um, it's going to be really hard to break apart just on the single premise that, um, hey, I want a decentralized version of this. 
right? Some people will find that more valuable, but the mass consumer is not going to jump into that in the next, you know, two, five years. Now, where I do think it gets interesting is um, actually like in more enterprise stuff, right? So where uh, you've got sophisticated people on both sides of a transaction, those people really care about like performance or security or, you know, something like that. Um, I think that's why you're seeing the blockchain technology be adopted very quickly. You know, everyone from the IBMs to, you know, supply chain, et cetera, because those people are, that's their job, right? Is to find better performance, better technology. And so I think it's going to uh, kind of find a home there first, and then all of the the mass consumer adoption will happen over a, a longer period of time, which is okay. Like, like we don't need to be upset that that's going to happen, right? That is okay. Yeah. No, and this is uh, just the UX of handling private keys is, is <laughs> arduous enough. Like, I don't think, like you said, I don't think my mother is ever going to learn how to store private keys. It's- yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, and, and part of it is hopefully she'll never have to. Right. In terms yeah. of like the underlying technology, some, like somebody will figure out a user experience where people mm-hmm. are able to use the technology. They don't even realize they're using it. Right. And it's just like you're good to go. This is just a this is where you put your money. Right. This is where you put, you know, whatever your digital asset is. Um, we're not there today and I don't see a path there. You know, I don't know, 12, 24 months. Like it's not very likely that's going to happen. Yeah. That's one thing. The space needs more UX designers. <laughs> um but I will say the some of the new apps that are coming out where I've seen the best UX are like some of the Lightning Network apps, mm-hmm. uh, like Jack Mahler's app app. That that UX looks somewhat impeccable compared to other softwares I've used in this uh, in this space. And, Absolutely. And then you have uh, companies like IDEO with Dan Elitzer there, uh, a huge design company dedicating a team to trying to figure out how to make the UX better. It will come. It's just going to take time, and that's uh, that's something that pisses me off sometimes when people are like this doesn't work the way it's yeah. <laughs> well, well here, so here, here's another important thing that uh take takes time but i already see this happening and i think it's a, a good signal right so I, it's the brain drain from wall street and tech right? yeah you were so tweeting like, about this yesterday like um i'm seeing right now probably on a daily basis two to three like relatively big names in whatever niche industry that they're in leave a big Wall Street firm or leave a big Silicon Valley tech company and go into crypto. And so if that happens every day, right, you're seeing two or three people, well, there's a bunch that aren't getting announced, right? And that brain drain into an industry in the short term, everyone's like, you know, it's all exciting, it's hype, it's all stuff. Again, that pays off for decades, right? Because now you've got these people who um, are they're not gonna leave that job for two years, Mm -hmm. right? Maybe maybe longer. And so as those people are coming in, Every single person that comes in, they turn right back around. They tell that person that they're, you know, the tech company or Wall Street. Hey, what are you doing? <laughs> right? yeah. Like, come on, you got to come. You got to come work with us. And, and so it's just the small, the snowball's rolling downhill now. And and I think that uh, it's only going to accelerate. It's a, it's a, it couples with another tweet that you tweet a lot. The virus is spreading. <laughs> <laughs> you know? So so listen, if, if anyone from Barclays is uh, is listening to this, I saw yesterday they had an analyst who uh, they wrote a a whole thing about how cryptocurrencies are like an infectious disease, mm-hmm. right? And uh, and the, you know they're saying how uh, all, all the different uh, uh, you know the infected population, all this stuff, and everything, and immediately all these people start tweeting at me. You know they stole the virus is spreading. <laughs> 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 I was like, yeah, well, <laughs> so they just said it in banker speak, right? They said uh, no. the uh, the infectious disease. <laughs> <laughs> We've got a contagion on our hands. <laughs> no, that's uh, we like to get cosmic on this podcast, but like the idea, it's so uh, captivating that yeah, I, like it's hard to meet somebody that's dove into this stuff in earnest and not been like, holy shit, this is absolutely potential to change the world. It, it um, like, it, the, the two things that uh. I really feel strongly about are uh, 
the power of blockchain, Bitcoin, etc., is uh, it's captured the mind share and energy of an entire generation. Right, like every single person I know is talking about this. Like this is not going anywhere because the people who are leaving their jobs to join it, the people who are buying this stuff, like it's here, not going anywhere. So I think that's you know it's a known fact, but probably people don't put enough uh, emphasis on it. Right, Mm -hmm. that's just their entire generation looking at it. The second is uh, you know it's like killer app. So everyone's always talking about like you know what's going to be the killer app of you know whatever technology. Um, And uh, and David Sachs uh, he tweeted the other day. He said. um, capital formation is the killer app of the blockchain mm-hmm. right and so i think this goes back to like tokenized security stuff is like look all this decentralization like this is all fantastic and it will happen over a long period of time but the killer app over the next decade is going to be these tokens and this blockchain allow us now to move money and form it raise it you know do things with it that we previously weren't able to do and it not only allows the people who are already in the financial system to do that it also uh, includes or kind of brings in a whole population of people uh, to participate in that financial uh, uh, system that previously weren't there yeah and that's um that's one thing i debate a lot on this podcast is is how i agree that like we're gonna have these assets sort of with pointers to the blockchain at some point everything's going to be connected but just the path that we take to get there it's uh, i mean it's nobody knows the exact path at this point so yeah. there's like the many the many schools of thought like uh i would trend towards bitcoin maximalism where i think like you could do it on top of bitcoin in second layers but other people believe that uh you're going to be able to create like a ux experience where tokens are very interoperable and uh you're you're able to exchange them somewhat seamlessly in on the back end of things yeah, I am. A, I'm a, so I, I uh, am a short-term Bitcoin maximalist, right? <laughs> okay. meaning that I, I haven't seen anything yet that has convinced me not to be. Mm-hmm. Um, but but I'm definitely open to something else coming along that could do that. Um, obviously, I think the other one that's really interesting is Ethereum and, and kind of what they're doing there. But I think there's some scaling issues and and that type of stuff. But but Bitcoin, I've got um, very strong conviction in that you know that will continue to be valuable. Uh, and, and the um, the other things on on the tokenized securities multiple times a day now people are coming to me and saying i want to tokenize x right and, and it's like real ass it's like things like uh there's one yesterday a guy came to me and he said hey i want to tokenize this thing and i was just blown away by what he had and i was just like wow you really want to do this he was like absolutely because it's better and so i think that we're going to continue to see um you know these assets come to uh, uh come to the blockchain and i think that only helps with not only adoption but uh that, that kind of capital formation and again it's just a whole new virus yeah. Um, sorry, I just switched mics there. This one wasn't you coming. sound way better. Yeah, right? <laughs> and um, sorry if the sound was messed up first half of this podcast. I was on a bad mic. <laughs> um, yeah, and it's it's well, I, the most important UX hurdle to come with this stuff is custody. Like how do you how do yep. you know you own it? How do you how do you make it so like you don't lose a private key uh easily like it's it's hard storing that stuff right now like what do you think i mean is what 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 an example of a great ux experience in the space right now be for you yeah so i think uh uh, it's got to match the experience i have with my bank account today Mm -hmm. or be better okay right so so i I always say that people are not going to switch actually i think it actually has to be better people are not going to switch if they just get the same experience Right. Even mm-hmm. if you tell them it's better security is, you know, whatever, it's just there's no point to 
right? And so if you can't provide a better experience than, you know, kind of the current banking system, mm-hmm. you're, you're just dead in the water. Now, here's the good thing for the blockchain space. The current banking system sucks, right? <laughs> in terms of, like, the, the UX. Like, like it, it's not like we've got, you know, this big uphill battle, right? Now they've got size. They've got, you know, kind of network effects. They've got all that. But uh, I, I don't think that they're necessarily, um, you know, miles and miles ahead. And so, you know, we got a shot at least. Yeah, and that, I mean, and the banks are so I would say handcuffed to a point too because of of how big they are and, mm-hmm. and how monolithic they are and, and moving the regulations they have to overcome. They're sort of handcuffed to that that system and the whole uh, Buckminster Fuller quote like we're building a system without that and we sort of don't have those handcuffs right now. But that topic is is uh, is rearing its head with the SEC subpoenaing a lot of these ICOs yep. and, and that uh, that regulatory uncertainty is starting to become a little bit more certain. Mm-hmm. It's still very uncertain, but uh, is that one thing you worry about uh, going forward? No, so uh, I'm not worried whatsoever about the regulation. Uh, I think that well, there's two things. So one is uh, tokenized securities and stuff we're looking at. We don't need any change to regulation, like. Mm-hmm. All of it is perfectly legal within the current framework, and there's no gray area. Like, you know, lawyers have been doing this for you know a decade, yeah. right? And so, so like, I think that's also why we're so interested in it is because there is no uncertainty, right? Mm-hmm. So, you know, it's it's pretty de-risked. Now, when it comes to the uh, utility tokens and and you know, is Bitcoin a commodity, a currency, whatever? I, I think uh, the nice thing about being in the United States is the regulators have actually been fairly reasonable, mm-hmm. and they've been very light touch in terms of their actions now they've been you know somewhat vocal like i've never seen the sec and cftc write a op-ed in the wall street journal right <laughs> like i saw that i was like wow they are really trying to get the message out and so um you know there if you look at you know a korea japan whatever you know they ban icos they don't ban them they they you know exchanges are getting shut down now they're allowed and and there's all this like chaos and kind of um you know just just uh it's not even uncertainty it's just like if you constantly are churning, right, it, it just becomes something where people don't even want to step in when you say, okay, this is this is something you're allowed to do, yeah. right? And so in the U.S., what they've done is uh, they've said, hey, we're looking at this, right? You know, don't be dumb and don't be greedy, <laughs> right? And so, like, it's general life rule. Um, and then they said, uh, you know, look, just follow the current laws. Now, there's people which are necessary people who will argue, hey, the current laws." you know, don't fit this new thing. This new thing doesn't, um, you know, it doesn't apply to the, the laws, you know, all that kind of stuff. Um, and so I think that the regulators are, uh, they're being s- like fairly collaborative as well, right? They're, they're, they're having conversations with people in the industry and they're saying, how, like, explain this to me, how should this fit into the law? Um, and I think that, you know, I'm hearing rumblings that they've, they've got uh, some solutions that'll, uh, that'll be announced soon that, you know, they sound f- actually like much more forward thinking than I would have expected them to come down on. Yeah, we're lucky to have uh, companies like Coin Center down in D.C. Mm-hmm. Uh, really advocating for for the innovation in the space. I think Peter Valkenberg is that yep. his name correct? Yeah, yeah. Uh, did a really good job on Capitol Hill when uh, the Senate, I believe, had the hearing a few weeks ago on blockchain technology, and he did a really good job of doing just what you just described: is hey, this technology is very innovative, and a lot of the laws that we have now do not apply. And a lot of people, some of the hardcore cypherpunks in the space, like the anarcho-capitalists, the hardcore ones, will say like Coin Center is like the opposite of what we need. We don't need anybody interacting with the government. But yeah, yeah, yeah. you have to be a realist at some point. Like if you well, if you just turn your back, they're they're going to try and come down hard. Well, yeah, and, and and the way that so those people 
uh, and I'm very like open with them about it. I said, listen, I, I understand your like general sentiment and where you want to end up. The way to get there is not to be divisive and to you know basically stick your middle finger up to them, yeah. right? Yeah. Like, feels great in the moment, right? And then afterwards, <laughs> you're like, man, now that person hates me, and like they're gonna look to screw me, yeah, right? And so I think that like to your point, um, the more education that's done, right? Um, look, a lot of people in the government actually like they use technology. They you know mm-hmm. they they some of them have been in business before, and, and so it's. You know, there are definitely the people who, like yesterday, when uh, in the Facebook hearing, are like, you know, I emailed on WhatsApp. Yeah, <laughs> like, eh, you're you're kind of getting it right. <laughs> so, like, there, there's definitely people like that that are out there. But, but I, for the most part, I think that they, you know, when they're told, "Hey, here's how the technology works," they generally get it, and yeah. um, they can be thoughtful. Um, you know, it, it's uh, when people complain about regulation, I always tell them, I say, "Do you want that job?" Because I don't. <laughs> I don't want anyone to go anywhere near that because it's just a hard job. It's a hard job. And I would argue it's like getting impossible. It's like how big we are and how you can't like, please everybody. No, no way. No, it's it's, and I think we're we're seeing this play out on the global stage as well. Like there's chaos all over the place. I mean, Trump's tweet that we were talking about earlier. He just <laughs> he just threatened Russia if they uh, Russia or what did he say? Yeah, uh, I forget the tweet exactly. It was right before we came on, but basically he almost incited nuclear war and. Things are... It's just a Wednesday morning. (laughs) Right, yeah, just a Wednesday morning in April. Uh, By the way, happy birthday to my wife. It's my wife's birthday today. Um, And I think the sort of chaos that's going on, like, around the world, I would argue. Uh, I mean, the world's... This is, like, because yesterday I had uh, another uh, guest on, and we sort of got into this. It's like, Damn, the world is the best it's ever been. It's te- like statistically like the best it's ever been. We live in the safest, most prosperous time in human history. Right. Yeah. Right. It doesn't feel like that sometimes, right? But like, absolutely. But it, yeah, exactly. It doesn't feel like that. Like, it feels like the there's sort of an old way of doing things that's brushing up with a generation that's trying to do it a new way. Yeah. And it, it feels like, and I think a great example of this is like the Senate hearings where you see, like, in person, like, the, the, uh, the tech Ill- illiteracy it's like after yep. a certain point like within the government that's making laws for us and there's definitely just like a, a a give and take there where people just want want to like break free and just let innovation f- like fly absolutely well i mean here, here's a perfect example right so uh take all the stuff that's happened around like gun control after the uh, shooting in florida right mm-hmm. and so like Forget which side of the debate you're on, whatever. Just if you can, you know, kind of unbiasedly look at uh, the tactics used, right? Um, and people have been arguing about gun control for, you know, decades, right? Yeah. And, you know, hey, should we have guns? Should we not? Whatever. Well, it's always, like, somebody who's in a suit, right, who's very professional, who would never lose their temper on television or anything like that, right? Um, and, you know, they'll schedule a press conference and they, you know, do all that kind of stuff. These kids are just like... No, <laughs> right? they're just yelling and screaming, and they're using you know their phones and and they're and they're you know creating memes and, and it's just like a whole different type of um, you know to some degree like a propaganda war, right? Yeah. Of just like hey, these kids understand how to use the tools that they have at their disposal better than the adults, and so you know what I'm seeing is I think on both sides of that debate, the adults are like. Oh shit! Like, like we're not gonna be effective here because these kids are way more effective at debating this than we are, just based on the tools that they know how to use and we don't. Yeah, I mean, 
there's some adaptable adults, uh, Donald Trump being one of them. <laughs> Memes won the presidency, <laughs> a lot of people will say. I'm going to make America great again. You know? <laughs> yeah, but, so, so here's the thing about him that's, that's really interesting. Uh, I read this book uh, by Scott Adams, um, mm-hmm. who was uh, the Dilbert founder. Yeah. And so some, somebody was like, hey, you should read this thing called Win Bigly. And so the one of the uh, anecdotes in there that was really interesting was uh, – Hillary Clinton did, uh, she came up with like 100 plus slogans. They did all the testing and, you know, focus groups, all stuff. And they ended up with uh, Stronger Together, right? <laughs> and, and so it's this, uh, you know, a, a fairly like down the fairway political campaign slogan, you know, whatever. Uh, and they said that Trump walked in the room and they were like, we're going to call it the slogan. He goes, make America great again. Boss. Just like, just, just right off the, <laughs> right, right, off the right, right off the cuff. And, and like, and it works, right? And, and, and it's catchy and it's all stuff. And so, you know, again, you can argue all day long about his politics. You can argue about you know his ethics and and all that kind of stuff but the one thing that you can't take away from the guy is like he's a great marketer right and he understands how the psychology of the human consumer works and so i think that kids have an element of that today too because they've been exposed to it on online Mm -hmm. and uh, i think we're gonna see some pretty cool stuff across technology politics you know all this stuff over the the coming decades yeah i mean that's uh that's a very uh that's a growing uh, area of millennial income is influencer income. <laughs> I'm like Instagram thought is doing swipe up campaigns with yeah. each body you know if you know how to meme the world you can make some money out of it now too yeah, that's yeah, crazy yeah. if you're well, good well, at that it, it goes back to the uh, to the idea that uh, audience is currency in today's world mm-hmm. right and so I mean Barstool's a great example right yeah. like if you got the eyeballs and you can get people to you know do things that you want them to do you'll figure out a way to make money. And, and so I think that that's, uh, you know, adults definitely don't understand that as well as uh, you know, kind of people under the age of 35 or so. Yeah, and it's about being authentic. You know, that's how mm-hmm. Dave got this company. Dave and Dan and Kevin got this company to where it is. You know, they, they were just authentic throughout and people really connected with that. I feel like we were growing into a world that wasn't authentic. It was very advertised and very uh, sort of cookie cutter, like sitcom world and people were sick of it and things like Barstool are just like a breath of fresh air. And, Fortunately or unfortunately, I would trend towards unfortunately, people connected with Donald Trump. And I mean, he really played to those emotions. Yeah. yeah. Well, and there's an element of, um, you know, I think at least when I was growing up, like you would never see a star or somebody of importance like really suffer a negative uh, event. (laughs) And if they did, it was career ending. Right. It it would be, you know, um, you know, so and so like cheated on his wife. Done. Right. And just like it, it's over. Um, I think then you started to see the, you know, the Kobe Bryant's of the world and, and, and they became, um, you know, a little bit better at using the media and stuff like that to kind of like recover from, you know, these, these potentially negative events uh, today. Like it's actually if you don't have something like that going on, then you're inauthentic. Mm-hmm. Right. Because it's kind of yeah. like, hey, you know, what's your what where like where have you made a mistake? Like what negative things going on? And I think you see that with, you know, Trump and, and you see it. You know, I mean, look. Dave and Barstool and all stuff like every single controversy like it actually like thrusts them forward and you know I, I shy away from the like all press is good press type thing but to some degree um, I think that the people in the limelight are absolutely seeing that and if we bring it all the way back to the blockchain like look at the people who are you know kind of the the uh, you know thought leaders or kind of the the main you know nodes if you will in that industry um, a lot of them are like embroiled in controversy Right. Yeah. Roger Ver, you know, Jihan, you know, uh, Vinny Lingram, John McAfee. Like, like, why are these people known? Why do they have influence? Why do people care what they think? Like, right. It's because half the world actually, uh, you know, half the industry actually hates them. <laughs> right. <laughs> right. Like, 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 it's like if you just have everyone love you. Right. To some degree, they're they're just not that interesting. Right. It's like, oh, you built this little cult. But a guy like John McAfee. 
I don't know if he's right or wrong, right? I don't know if he's pumping stuff, like wh- whatever. But you, you got to have haters in this world. <laughs> yeah. You're gonna be successful. Yeah, I guess this yeah. is summing up. It's just like if you don't have the haters, <laughs> then you're not important. <laughs> no, it's crazy. Um, that is another interesting thing about this space is that it is so new and so raw that anybody can bootstrap themselves and and come into the space and try and make a name for themselves. And it's funny, more recently seeing. Uh, seeing some people like Kyle Samani and, and those guys come in and just like in the last six months to be like, I know I'm here to fix everything. Like I know how this stuff works. Yeah, yeah. So, like, so ah. I, I've talked to Kyle and uh, the one thing that I really respect about Kyle is he doesn't give a shit about like what anybody else thinks. Right? I could tell he, he just, he'll just fire off like, you know, Bitcoin doesn't work. And you're like, wait, 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 wait. explain this. Right. <laughs> and, and, and you know, he'll have his theory and whether he's right or wrong, that doesn't really matter, frankly. Right. But, uh, he plays I, the Cunningham's law. Yeah. It, it, it's just, uh, the, you, you need those people, right? Like you need, yeah. you need the people who are there to always say like, I don't believe that. Um, you know, there, there's a bunch of guys on Twitter that, uh, you know, it doesn't matter what I tweet. If I tweet anything positive, they're going negative. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And like it, then I, when I have a conversation with them kind of offline, they're like, yeah, like I see the power of this thing, right? But it's just there's so much like positive hype, et cetera. And I'm like, absolutely. So like we need those people in the room because frankly, the truth's probably somewhere in between. Yeah. Right? It's not 100% positive. It's not 100% negative. It's not going to happen as fast as we think it's going to happen. Um, and so like I appreciate those people. Now maybe they can like chill out with the trolling on Twitter, but like, <laughs> you, know, you still need those people around. I'm an internet troll, I would say. To some extent. <laughs> I am. Uh, so I used to not respond to him, and now uh, I, I've got a couple of go-to phrases that I'll hit him with, and one's just like "Thanks for your opinion. Have a nice day," right? and then get him with a smiley face. Uh, or the other one I like is uh, I'll just tell him like "Get out of here with that noise. Go back under your bridge." Right? <laughs> and, like people are just like, "Wait, what?" <laughs> you got to respond with absurdity. People are like, oh, "I thought you were going to engage me." It's like, no, this is Twitter. This is a mud war. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely, yeah. it's so uh, you know we're talking about Coin Center, uh, Naraj, mm-hmm. uh, uh, meme god. Yeah, yeah, he he just he'll, he's got a meme for everything, man. He just whips it out, and you're just like, wow. He's quick with it too. That dude it has some quick wit. It's pretty crazy <laughs> how how fast he can spin something up. Absolutely. My favorite was uh, when the uh, whole at Bitcoin uh, handle drama was going on last week, and some random person had it for like twelve hours, I think, and their first tweet was. Murda M E R H D A or something, <laughs> and he just took a screenshot of him DMing the at Bitcoin account Murda, and it had a tweet that said, "Don't worry, guys, I'm making contact now." He's he's good. You know what we need to do is uh, the the one thing that uh, I was upset didn't really catch on was uh when uh, janet yellen was doing the uh the hearing you mm-hmm. know like a couple months ago and uh, the buy bitcoin guy uh so uh i, I immediately actually thought barstool needs to uh, just like you guys do on game day with the signs like we just need to start a whole little thing where people start uh to Put- buy bitcoin signs you know on te- on television or or wherever because we gotta get this uh this market turned around from a bear market to a uh, to a bull again yeah well i don't think that'll be hard there's a lot of people in this office that bought bitcoin at a at a pretty high price point, so they'll be happy to pump it if they can uh they'll be putting qr codes who, who do you, up everywhere. who do you think bought at the highest uh the highest price uh nate is our office counter indicator um whenever he's over 
uh, euphoric or very pessimistic, we we start selling or buying. <laughs> Nate, Nate uh, depending on Nate's mood. Yeah, Nate, Nate did tweet at me one time, and he basically was, he was just like, "Hey, man, it's over. I'm depressed." <laughs> <laughs> I was like, it'll be all right, man. It's going to go back up. Just wait. It's like, that's the thing. It's, uh, and it's funny because I come in here and I told everybody, they were like, should I buy? Should I buy? I was like, you should get some skin in the game, but only buy a little bit at a time. Like, yeah. Don't go all in. This is, go- I, I literally told people, is it going to run like 20, 25K and then get cut in half, maybe more? Yeah. Well, and, he, well here's what's crazy is like, people are acting like this is, you know, the next great investment, right? It's like, you know, like, oh, we found oil. Let's all go buy oil fuel. Like, no, this is, you know, most of these things are penny stocks. Yeah. I mean, you know. Most of them are garbage. I, I ask people all the time, like, what's ZRX or what's this or what, you know, like, whatever. And by the way, I'm not, you know, I don't even know what ZRX actually is, right? So, like, I'm just, like, picking some random letters. And people are like, oh, well, this is, uh, you know, it's going to decentralize the uh, financial system. And, you know, and they name a country I've never even heard of before. I'm like, wait, what? No, and then. Like, then, just go buy the index. Right. <laughs> go buy the blue chips. Just buy, like, Bitcoin. Uh, Ethereum, if it's, I mean, I would not recommend buying Ethereum, but that's, some people would. Um, they, I could be terribly wrong, people. Um, but that's the thing, like, and people put so much credence into these projects and they're 99% marketing, like things like IOTA and Tron, and it comes oh, yeah. out that Tron, Tron's the best, right? Tron, Tron is the best. I they am copy still, and pasted Ethereum's white paper, basically. I'm still trying to figure out how that guy is tweeting and saying things like, Tomorrow I have a big announcement about an announcement the next day on this guy that we might hire. Like, wait, what? And and he's got incredible engagement. It's like all of Asia is just like Tron's going to be the next best thing. The white paper, I haven't seen any code. Like, I just don't know what's going on. And then I see people who, like, I thought were smart are like, Tron. I'm like, wait, no. That's marketing. <laughs> and then, yeah, it's crazy how, like, smart people can get caught up into it, too. And that's, like, that's why short like you said your short-term bitcoin maximalist i'm a bitcoin maximalist because nothing else has worked up to this point in my opinion um and bitcoin again i say this time and time again bitcoin is the only blockchain that does what it markets it'll do that's enable peer-to-peer censorship resistant transactions it's been doing that for almost 10 years now yeah and and the part that i think uh is really really interesting about bitcoin more than anything is uh if you are bearish on any other global economy any other financial system right bitcoin is your alternative yeah everything else is trying to attack technology attack you know companies you know all these other things but the one thing that everyone has in common that everyone can use is the economic you know the economy and the financial system and so that's going to be the king for probably ever yeah right and- why not just put it where there's probably the least amount of risk and it ends up being the king. Maybe you don't get the 30,000, you know, percent increase in you know, that ripple saw last year. <laughs> that's okay if you just 2x, right? right? Like like you're okay. So people people aren't happy enough with uh, 10x gains. They need that 1000. <laughs> but this is I'm happy you said that because there's things that I thought were rumors a couple weeks ago that have since been proven via video to be very true is that Venezuela is turning their oil into Bitcoin with mm-hmm. mining farms. Like they're not, they're not marketing it. Like the Petro was apparently like a huge uh, ploy just to confuse everybody. And they're really like mining Bitcoin and turning the cheap oil they have into Bitcoin. They have like mining farms and they're just doing it on the DL. I've seen 
like videos of, of my farms in Venezuela. So uh, th- this is going to get uh, a little bit more towards the anarchist uh, mm-hmm. uh, uh, mentality, but um, I, I've got this theory that uh, one of the greatest wars we are going to fight over the next, I don't know, 10, 15, 20 years, at some point it comes to a head, is uh, the fight for energy, computing power, and digital assets, right? And it's going to be between nation states. And so if you look at North Korea, if you look at Russia, if you look at China, Venezuela, United States, all of these guys are positioning themselves to who can get, you know, renewable energy, right, that's cheap, mm-hmm. who can get as much computing power as they can under their command, and then what they're using the energy and the computing power for is they're all mining digital assets. And so, like, you know, when you're trying to put economic sanctions on North Korea and they're just like, cool, we got billions of dollars of, you know, this other asset, can they keep up? I don't know, right? Yeah. Like, like I don't think that we've seen it play out yet. But, um, you know, the, the computing power, you know, arms race, if you will, is like a very real thing. And frankly, the United States is behind. And so really? like, we, we've got to... Um, we, we've really kind of got to get it in gear. Um, and, and, you know, I'm sure we'll, we'll be fine, right? But but it's uh, that's the type of stuff that, uh, you know, it sneaks up on you, right? right? And it's like, you know, that's how the empire falls, if you will, to a degree. Um, and so when you see, you know, a country like Venezuela who's like, hey, we got all these natural resources, and rather than sell it to you idiots who are, you know, dependent on oil, I'm going to cripple you, right, because I'm just not going to sell you my oil, and then I'm going to take that oil and I'm going to use it to mine this digital asset. And it's like, oh, shit, like, yeah. all right. The game theory of geopolitics has changed. There's been another layer added. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely, and 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 then when you get into like all the like privacy coins and stuff like that, like um, you know, my, my favorite thing in this entire space, whenever I'm talking to somebody who either doesn't believe or you know, you know, is one of these like boomers, right? Is uh, I always tell them that uh, the currency of choice for every criminal, drug dealer, money launderer, etc., around the world is still the U.S. dollar. Yeah. They want to use cash, right? right? And like the cops would love for you to have your hand on a keyboard doing anything illegal, right? Right, and so we'll we'll see. Yeah, and um, yeah, it's interesting to frame it that way. I've never thought of it that way as like the U.S. falling behind spe- specifically in the hardware game, and that's something that we're finding out with Bitcoin mining hardware is that companies like Bitmain are creating hardware and not releasing it to the public and just using it Absolutely. without anybody knowing, which is like another scary thing. Like Monero, when they hard forked, I don't know if it's 100% proven yet. That was gangster. Right? <laughs> <laughs> they, they Look, they warned them. They said, we're going to do it if you release this stuff. And they released it and they just, bam, hit them with it. Oh, but what was interesting, like it was a hard fork to make uh, Monero ASIC resistant and- yep. With this specific ASIC, and I don't think, I don't know, I, can, I don't know for sure if it was just pure GPU mining before, and they were, like, pre- uh, preemptively preparing for an ASIC that was about to be dropped, but when they hard forked, their hash rate dropped, like, 80%. Yep. So, some people are speculating that Bitmain already had ASICs on the market. Oh, they absolutely just, had. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. And that's where things get, like, whoa, like, these companies can build tech that has an efficiency magnitudes of order more than than the current tech we think we're using I, so i the advantages i may have this that. wrong yeah i may have this wrong but i saw uh, literally this morning on twitter somebody was talking about uh a, a 10 millimeter um i think it was 10 uh mining rig that samsung has really that they've been using so I, I don't know. It was like a random, like it, it, it's one of these things that like it could be a Photoshop photo, you know, yeah. whatever. But um, I've got no doubt that 
you know, because here's the thing. The guys who start some of these companies three, five years ago, like, they just kind of were, like, in a garage, and they kind of figured it out, right? And, like, oh, sweet, now I can, like, mine this stuff. Now you start getting the, you know, MIT-trained PhDs in a room and, like, watch out. Yeah, like right? Manhattan projects <laughs> happening to figure out this ASIC game. A- absolutely. And, and so, he, you know, here's when I talk about the computing power stuff. Um, some of it is the blockchain related, but there, there's other implications of it, right? So, in, and I've been looking at this space uh, pretty deeply over the last uh, six months or so. Um, I'm pretty sure this is true, uh, that um, companies like 23andMe are taking, like, the DNA data. So, you need to do the DNA sequencing, and they send it abroad, Really? Right. Um, I, I think uh, I, I saw the vice chairman, I think, of the Senate Intelligence Committee say that uh, somebody was taking, I think it was 23andMe was taking their DNA data and they were sending it abroad to, uh, I think it was China, to get processed there. And so, like, his sentiment was just like, and I think he said it too, he's like, I think this is true. I may not be right. So I just want to caveat, you know, with that. Um, but he was like, there are other situations like this where we're taking super sensitive data and because we're behind in hardware and computing power, et cetera, like we're having to send it elsewhere and just like, what are the implications of that? Should we be doing that? Should the government not allow us to do that? Like, I don't know. I'm not smart enough to figure it out. I don't want to make that decision, but that's the type of stuff where, you know, it's not just blockchain. There's other, you know, areas where this is, uh, you know, this becomes really important. Yeah, like CRISPR stuff, like being able to edit genes is a whole <laughs> fucking other mind fuck. It's like, it's like we're getting into some weird territory. I, I'm not going to say who it was, but somebody, uh, so one of my favorite questions to ask people is just like, like, what's the weirdest, craziest thing you think that might happen in the future? And this dude just, it was like he was like waiting for the question. He hits me, he's like, well, you know how everyone talks about, you know, the Internet of Things and using all of these uh, connected devices to mine uh, digital assets? I was like, yeah. He goes, what happens when we have computers in our brain? I was like, I'm out. Right. <laughs> right. And he was just like, I was like, I am out of this conversation. <laughs> but, but like that, I mean, again, right. He's got a point. It's just, those are the types of things that are going to start happening that, you know, and again, this is 25 years away probably. Right. But, but 10 years or, you know, whatever it is. Um, Who but, knows with how fast this stuff is innovating. It's like, feels like just yesterday the iPhone came out and now we're on iPhone 11. Absolutely. It, it is, um, you know, and I think in the blockchain space, the uh, the part that's frustrating to people is they feel like all the other technology in the world is like you know moving so quickly, right? But if you just look in the last, let's call it two years, uh, or since 2015, right? So three years, um, we went from basically just Bitcoin to now there's thousands of you know coins, networks, etc. We've had thousands if not tens of thousands of people run into the space right in terms of like actual employees at these companies we've had millions of people start investing dollars in billion or hundreds of billions of dollars of market cap created and i think that's like pretty good progress right for right? a three-year period like like we're we're moving right it just it just feels like you're running in quicksand but like we're moving well i wrote about this on monday i believe the hash rate alone it's crazy because i remember last july like not even a year ago um people were like in awe that bitcoin's hash rate had reached six exahash a second mm-hmm. and i just like i, I don't i hadn't looked at hash rate in a while and for some reason over the weekend i took a look in the last six months, it's gone 3x. It's gone from like 9x a hash to over 30 now. Like at 31x a hash a second. So it took eight and a half years last summer to get to 6x a hash. Took us like 10 months to oh, yeah. multiply by five. Oh, yeah. It's crazy how fast that growth is. Like it's going exponential. And that I know people 
in the United States, I know of three projects that are over 100 megawatt mining facilities, which is last year there was probably there was less than 10 around the world that yeah. were 100 megawatts or more, right? And now that's three that I know of right now being built. One of them is over 400 megawatts. Holy shit. Right? And so, like, who even knows if they actually get it accomplished, right? I, you know, they, they probably will, but, you know, who knows? But if you start looking at how much hardware, how much money is being invested here, um, like, you know, you, you open it up and you're like, man, incentives are like a, you know, a pretty crazy thing. Yeah. Well, like, it's probably the most secure network we've ever seen, right? right? And Bitcoin and blockchain is probably the most viral product the world has ever seen, right? Yeah. And so if you think of it that way, it's like, we're okay, right? Like, yeah, I, of course, I would love for it to, you know, accelerate and do all stuff, but like, not only are have we made good progress to date, like, to your point, the speed at which it's accelerating is still healthy. And so like, yeah, the prices are down, that's fine. Everyone's got, you know, negative sentiment, all stuff. But like the core underlying, you know, factors and data points are all still very positive. And like, I think that's kind of an arbitrage opportunity, right? Right. When everyone else is like super negative on it, but like all the underlying, you know, it's the people who are like, where are the fundamentals? Well, let me, let me actually tell you about <laughs> some real fundamentals, right? Cause you guys are like literally looking at like how many users are, you know, being used on these mobile apps as fundamentals. And I'm talking about, no, some dude just, you know, put a hundred million bucks in and put computers and hardware and infrastructure and all stuff in. And now they're like mining, like that's a true, you know, infrastructure investment versus you're trying to count, you know, how many people click the screen. Right. Exactly. And it's it's funny how I got two things I want to touch on. First, it's funny how people in December who are like, oh, I, I, I missed the boat. Wish I got it at 20,000. <laughs> like, it's at 20,000 now. I missed it. Can't invest. Wish I could have bought. Like, it crashes now. Now they're like shroud and void. Like, haha, I told you it was going to crash. Like, <laughs> don't even want to buy now. They're like, oh, I'm not going near it. Yeah, it's they like, wanted what? to buy it. Man, I wish I bought 7,000, right? right? You know, like, well, it's 7,000 now. No, no, I'm out. I'm out. I'm out. Yeah, it's like, all right, what do you, what do you people in this world? <laughs> but then again, going back to the hash rate, like, it's getting to a point where it is the most secure network on Earth, and it's going to be hard for centralized nation states to attack it. And the gravity of that uh, tipping point is pretty, pretty intense. Like, absolutely. Look here. So, I said this early. I've kind of backed off a little because people, you know, I get a lot of backlash on Twitter for it, but. I fully believe that uh, there's not a government in the world that can stop this, right? And everyone says, well, you know, how's your server going to do when a bomb drops on it, right? Or how, you know, yeah, you're going to get killed by a bullet. Like, I get all that sentiment. This is a distributed, decentralized network that is around the world, and you cannot kill the idea. Yeah. Right? And so, like, unless you're going to go and you're literally going to attack the earth, right, and everybody on it, you're just not going to, you're not going to shut it down. Well, let's walk through this from an incentives perspective too like if you start bombing data centers that's going to make mining bitcoin more profitable <laughs> and it's going to incentivize more people to build more data centers like it's a hydra like it, yeah. it's like like the incentives play beautifully right it's so here's the uh the part that is crazy to me is um if you look back at how ruthless um, you know, the Rockefellers and, and those types of, you know, guys were when it came to the oil uh, drilling, right? Um, I'm very surprised at how uh, little tension there is in, in the blockchain space, 
right? Um, there's there's tension for sure, right? There's people who don't like each other. There's people yeah. who are, you know, like, you know, they're the hated person in the room. There's people who are loved and all that. But it's not really that bad, right? It could be way worse. And I think that part of it is just that everyone, although I might not like you or I don't like your stance on something, whatever, everyone is still tied to this idea of, like, we need to win together to make this industry, this technology be successful. And so... Like I'm willing to overlook our differences as long as like blockchain successful, like cool. Like I don't really care if it's Bitcoin, Bitcoin Cash, whatever, right? Um, Which I don't think very many other industries have, which is an important feature of this. Yeah, a common a common goal. uh, It's almost like a a new virtue to strive for, right? Mm -hmm. Decentralization and and really allowing people to to make something on themselves and just be able to plug in and participate, not have to go through barriers, and that's. That's something that that is driving a lot of people, like you said. Like, I, I think this is a space where 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 very intense debate is is very welcome. Like, people open it with open arms or welcome it with open arms, and that's why I love Twitter in this space because it's a bunch of people with different views meeting on on the internet and hashing it out. It's not always civil, but <laughs> at least the arguments get out there and you get somebody else's perspective. Absolutely, and that's the most important part. Is just sort of look here. Here's the so. Uh, the things that I think are going to happen over the next, let's say, uh, 12 months or so that have the potential to just light this thing on fire and, and just really take off, um, I think that one of the major tech companies is going to announce a token, right? So whether it's mm-hmm. an ICO or they just introduce it, uh, the likely candidates, I think, are Tesla, Amazon, and Facebook. Mm-hmm. Any one of those three pulls the trigger on this thing, watch out. Yeah. Like, like <laughs> just, just strap in and, and we're going right. And so I think that like when you start looking at, you know, huge monumental things like that, 18 months ago, no one would have ever thought that was possible. No. Right. Well, like what else can happen if we're already talking about like, it's not even a question of if they're going to do it. It's when are they going to go do this right. stuff? Right. Um, I think that we're going to start to see, um, you know, massive projects uh around uh, tokenized securities right mm-hmm. um i have already had multiple people pitch me on um like they want to start a sports league they want to start like you know all, you know big real estate projects you know huge companies and so like it's not a question of if it's a question of when some of these large projects are going to really you know come out and be public um and then i think that uh something that we haven't really seen other than like there's guys like Novogratz that you know they're very well known on Wall Street they kind of like walked away they had like a pause and then they came in the crypto world Mm -hmm. they didn't go direct but there's gonna be like a I don't know a Sheryl Sandberg or you know like some huge name either in Silicon Valley or Wall Street that's gonna leave and go to a tech company or and go to a blockchain company and it's just going to send shockwaves, right? right? It's just like, bam, there's there's the cannonball across the bow, right? And, and so um, I think that, like, that's the type of stuff that I'm, like, just waiting for. And when it happens, I think we'll all be like, holy shit. Yeah. <laughs> um, it, and there's probably plenty more things like that. Yeah, again, the virus is just going to spread further <laughs> and further. <laughs> it, it is. Uh, the, the virus is spreading is, uh, is probably one of the funniest things I've ever tweeted because it was completely by accident. And I said it, and the reaction to it, I was like, "Oh, that's a good one." Like, I'm gonna keep using that. It's true. I mean, it's been it's been said in like Bitcoin talk forums and shit like that too, because it really is. It's fucking it. Like, it's hard not to get interested in. It. It's like, oh, there's a new money. 
It's like, <laughs> what, what's that mean? The money. What's wrong with money? And that's the other thing I love about it. Another thing we touch on a lot in this podcast is that it forces you to learn so much about so many things. And Absolutely. It's, I think it's going to be an overall net positive for society if we're bringing in this technology to sort of run our social infrastructure off of and then on top of that to be able to use that social infrastructure you sort of have to learn along the way as well and it's absolutely really like a south korea um i think it was i think i'm pretty sure it was seoul they uh i don't know if they're piloting they're they're talking about doing it or they actually announced it um but they were saying that they're going to launch a s coin and i uh, saw something about that they want to use the s coin as a digital asset in which they will deliver all of their uh, social benefits. Okay. So the government is a government issued, you know, centralized uh, token that if you get, you know, unemployment or you know whatever social benefit program that they have, that's how you get paid. And so, like, you know, you start looking at that and you're like, there's no one who's going to be safe from this. Like, you're going to have to learn about right. a wallet, about how you know how this works and and whatever. And so. I think that like that's all. I mean, we're in super early stages. How long that takes to get implemented? Is it successful? Like, there's a bunch of questions still. Um, but if we're sitting in the beginning of 2018 and there's government saying, "Hey, I'm going to just issue my social benefits," end of 2019, it, it, it's just going to be you know everywhere, yeah. right? And, and that's what 18 months. Yeah. Like yeah. 2020, can't wait. <laughs> like, <laughs> like, like, I don't know. Like Elon might have you know like a Mars coin by that point, and you know <laughs> might be knows? mining asteroids by then. <laughs> yeah. Who knows? But um, no, it's funny it, because it's interest. It'll be interesting to see. When I'm most interested to see, like the brain drain you're saying, like Big Silicon Valley. I'm interested to see the the uh, the tech brain drain, like the the engineering side. Like, oh yeah. Like and once we get in uh, a tipping point of quality engineering talent that really knows how to build out these protocols and they're able to scale. Cause that's one thing we have to figure out how to scale this shit. But mm-hmm. that's something that we're, we're learning more about every day. And hope, I think like that's a, uh, who was I talking to about this? Um, I think it was Tom Garambone from Tetris capital last mm-hmm. week we were talking about it and he said, yeah, it's, it's happening. Like people are starting to, like the smart engineers that I know are starting to dig into this space and oh, yeah. and really like experiment with everything. Well, the, the beauty of it is like there's a difference between the like, you know, highest quality hacker and the highest quality engineer at Facebook. Neither one is better than the other, mm-hmm. right? They're just better they're like good at different things, right? Right? And so uh you need those hackers to like be able to prototype and like really kind of push the edge of stuff, etc. But like you need the you know man or woman at Facebook to be able to come in and like okay we got to build like a super secure super you know uh, high uptime scalable product like it, it's just a different type of uh, skill set and mm-hmm. different type of experience. Now the unicorns out there are the guys or, or girls who like they've got both right they've got experience kind of you know doing both and and, and uh, you know when you see that we're mostly we're like overweight on the hackers and and, and those types of folks right. And now we're starting to get those scalable, like reliability engineers and things like that coming into the space. Like, I think that now you just start to bulletproof a lot of the stuff that we know is possible, mm-hmm. right? But it's just like it, like it, we can't get the mass consumer adoption. You know, the the UX doesn't look right. You know, that type of stuff. Um, I, I think that that's what the brain drain really affects. It's not the, you know, hey, who's pushing the edge the farthest? Because I think there's a lot of people in the space already doing that, and, yeah. and there will be more. Um, but it, but it's just like the the kind of like. I don't want to say industrialization of some of this stuff, but like it is to a degree. Yeah. 
yeah, you're going to have people come in with uh, their views and their way of doing things, and it'll be uh, better for the space overall. And it's like, that's what I think a lot of the people, especially early adopters, it's interesting because they, some of them don't like where the space is now, and mm. they really want it to be that anarcho, anarcho-capitalist like uh, utopia in their mind. But it's like, what did you expect? That you want the masses to yeah. to adopt this? <laughs> like they're gonna they're gonna want to use it in their way, and yeah, it's it's hard to to rewire seven billion brains. Well, yeah. it, it's not, so so the Bitcoin versus Bitcoin Cash debate like cracks me up, and I think that it, like embodies this right. It's this idea of like, okay, so Bitcoin, there's a white paper, and everyone's like, we're still building Bitcoin, right? And my whole thing is like, well, maybe, maybe not. But, like, it's okay to evolve something over time, right? And it's also okay if somebody says, hey, I can build what you're trying to build and do it better. Like, competition is good. Yeah. And we don't need one to fail for the other to succeed. No, and right? that's... Like, the coexistence theory is, is so, like, removed from this industry. Everyone thinks it's binary in every single situation. Right. It's like, that's not how the world works. <laughs> this reminds me of uh, Jameson Lopp's great speech coopetition which is a great way to describe it like you're you're cooperating but you're also competing and that's what we desperately need in the space and the way he laid it out is we need to cooperate uh before the people that were like the structures that we're going to take down like realize how powerful this is and they try to shut us down yeah, yeah. he that, I, I love him man he, yeah. he is uh he, he's got a he's got a little piece of neurage in him in terms of you know, he's got the memes and he's got some you know quick wit and stuff and then he's incredibly smart and great engineer and stuff and so he's uh he gets it for sure he'll be uh swinging through this studio next month really yeah he's coming in for consensus he he was uh kind enough to agree to an interview then yeah. i'm excited for that but um We've got two more minutes here. What uh, what advice do you have for anybody that's like coming into the space more recently or last six months? Somebody that's that's licking their wounds after yeah, after the eighty percent crash. Don't look at the price <laughs> <laughs> and go learn. <laughs> I mean, no, it, it, it's you know, I say to joke around, but at the same time, like the if you get in your mind that anything other than maybe the top five, you know, networks are most likely penny stocks mm-hmm. most people will just okay well, that's fine and it's hard to go and learn about you know the 99th you know most important network if you don't understand the fundamentals of the largest right right and so it's like you really have to look at this as i'm going to be self-motivated to learn about the technology how it works why certain elements of it are how they are um and then i think in this industry more than anything else I've ever seen, like just start reaching out to people, start like really trying to stress test your ideas, your thoughts, you know, um, theories, like all this stuff. Uh, and people are super receptive, right? Like, you yeah. know, James is going to come in here. Like he probably could be a, you know, complete jackass to people and just be like, oh, I'm not going to talk to anybody. Right. right. But like, he's super open. He'll talk to anybody. Like, I, I think that that's the the beauty of this. And, and part of it is that cooperation. Yeah. Right. And so it's like, don't watch price. Go learn and then find people to talk to. That's uh, some of the best advice that's been spit out here on Tales from the Crypt. <laughs> Pomp, where can we learn more about you? 
Uh, just on Twitter. <laughs> on Twitter. At- <laughs> Anything I do is on Twitter. My my girlfriend makes fun of me all the time because she says uh, it's like my phone is glued to my hand. <laughs> and I'm like, listen, you, you you would have your phone glued to your hand too if you've got you know all these people on the internet trying to snipe you every second with the troll. <laughs> I've learned if you just respond quick, they shut up, right? <laughs> we uh, we learned that having haters is good on this podcast. So I think you're on a good. You're, I think you're on a good path. Um, you can find me at Marty Ben on Twitter at a Pompliano on Twitter. Um, give us a follow. If you like this podcast, rate it, share, review. Thank you guys for joining us. Pomp, thank you for coming on. Absolutely. Thanks for having me. Peace and love, freaks. <laughs> Woo! That was fun. Yeah. Listen, it's, uh, I, I always enjoy, uh, when you get talk about other shit.